Waiting for the music. Hey. Oh, hey, we're doing it. We are. Yay! It's a comfort to hear that music. <laughs> it, it certainly is. Hey, Andrew Grimm. Hey, Ellen Cherry. How have you been? I've been pretty good. What What on in the world is going on? I think it has something to do with uh, the second part of season four. Why aren't you famous? <laughs> yes, we're re-beginning. Mm-hmm. We're restarting season four of our podcast, Why Aren't You Famous? Um, in the year of our pandemic, 2020. And what a pandemic it is. I mean... We don't need to rehash any of that stuff. Let's just like. <laughs> well, it's it's the same thing. It's it's the same thing that we do whenever we talk to somebody during the pandemic. You say, "Hey, man, what have you been up to?" And it's like, "Eh." <laughs> do you want to know all of the like soaring heights of self-realization and all the crushing lows of self-realization <laughs> that, right, you know. that all of us have experienced over the last Whew. eight months? Eight months. Eight months. Cheers. Cheers, indeed. All right, well, welcome back. We did have a porch session this summer, and I think that you and I both thought that we would have time and psychic energy. Yeah, I think it's more on the psychic energy part. To not be completely numbed to the idea of continuing a project that we both enjoy. Right, but we had plenty of time. It's just that, you The know, will, the will was weak. Yeah, yeah. Or distracted. It was very distracted. Or reserved for other things. Yes, the existential impending dread of whatever tomorrow brings. But here we are. Today is November 20th, 2020. That's right. And um, you and I are both well. Yes. And fortunately, our families are well. That is true. Both chosen and families of origin. Mm-hmm. And um, both you and I have found some work. That is true. Not sustainable work yet, but we both have found some work. Um not a lot, though. Not enough. Yeah. And that's going to be one of the challenges going forward. And, and one of the reasons why I felt I needed to um, re-engage right. with our conversations. Absolutely. So what we've decided to do instead, originally when we started with episode one of season four, we were going to, to feature other folks or ourselves out on the porch. And um, then we got greedy. <laughs> I think it's more that... Drunk on our own egos. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the source. Yeah, yeah. Go back to the source. And in the first season, I think we had a good concept going. We had a, you know, if you look back at those, like, if you look at season one and you just kind of scroll through the episodes, it's like, wow, we did a lot. It was like 20... 24 episodes. 24 episodes. <laughs> so quite ambitious. Yes. And we succeeded. Yes. And I got to learn more about you. I got to learn more about myself. That is true. And um, I'm looking forward to doing that again. So let's dive in. We have decided to go back to the original format of each of us writing an an essay and then recording an audio essay that would be around three minutes. Right. Mine's over three minutes. That's all right. Um, To discuss a topic that we've chosen in advance Mm -hmm. and then surprising each other by listening to the essay. So do you want to go first or you want me to go first this time? Uh, You know, white men have had a lot of advantages over the years. 
Right. And so I think it's my, as the duly designated white male of this podcast. You're like, I should go first. <laughs> I, I, I am going to, I'm going to go ahead and claim my privilege. No, I'm, I'm going to defer to you, whatever oh, you like to do. How gracious. Uh, you know, it's the least I could do. Some, like a micro reparation. <laughs> micro reparation, right. I thank you for it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, yes. Yeah, so let's listen to my essay. The topic that we chose was broad, mm-hmm. um, intentionally so, and we chose the words, the audience. Yes. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about what I wrote. Oh, I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to listening to it because I wrote it like five days ago and I don't remember what I said. Okay. Sounds good. Here we go. Ooh. There's a scene in one of my most beloved TV shows, Twin Peaks, where Pete Martell lifts his glass while looking at his wife, Catherine, and quotes a poem by Yeats called A Drinking Song. I'm going to recite it for you. Wine comes in at the mouth, and love comes in at the eye. That's all we shall know for truth before we grow old and die. I lift the glass to my mouth, I look at you, and I sigh. An audience to me is an essential element in my chemistry experiment. The living, moving, breathing, digesting, thinking, heart-beating folks who make time to sit with me and listen are special to me. And what I missed most from that time together is how we look at each other while it's happening. I've been on both sides of the stage. I know how it feels when someone sings to me like that. I know what it feels like to be able to hold someone's gaze and sing to them. It's thrilling, beautiful, honest, and also sometimes scary as hell. A few years back, some venues and house concert presenters allowed patrons to record concerts with their cell phone cameras. I really didn't like it. I started requesting that all audience members put their cell phones away. Of course, I didn't want low quality video and audio recordings to make their way onto social media and the internet, but it had nothing to do with my vanity. It had to do with the fact that I had worked for years on my skill and craft and making meaningful eye contact during performances. The cell phone put a barrier between us. Instead of seeing a person seeing me seeing them, creating this wonderful feedback loop of human experience and recognition, I was staring into the back of a cell phone's tiny camera. What I miss most about performing for a live audience now is the eye contact. On March 6, 2020, I started wearing a mask anytime that I was outside my apartment. My mother had been recently hospitalized, and I saw what was happening in China, Italy, and other places. This virus was going to smash into and ravage my country. Wearing a mask seemed like the very least that I could do. Shortly into the pandemic, I remember thinking, with a little bit of joy, that eye contact might return in a pretty serious way. People on the street might be more inclined to make more deliberate eye contact as a way of expressing solidarity. We are in this together, you and me, friend, our eyes would say. We might learn a new way of communicating, and maybe we might fully know each other. Even strangers could do this. Eye makeup and decorations would become even more pronounced and fun and joyous and whimsical as we all celebrated our group participation in prevention of this deadly disease. The president and other Republicans quickly politicized it. Cleverly, wearing a mask was perverted into a yoke on essential freedoms as Americans, rather than as a sign of caring and love for ourselves and others. Performing and teaching in front of a cell phone camera or through a computer over the last eight months during this global pandemic is the right choice for me, but it is not performance in any form like it was before. 
Yes, it's true that I may be making some type of contact with the invisible audience out there watching me, from my place of refuge to their place of refuge. Yet now I feel like every show is one where the cell phones were permitted, and now I'm only making eye contact with a machine. Very good essay. Thank you. Right on. So, I just made it up, like you yeah. like to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't say that. Do I say that? You say it a lot. Oh, well, yeah. Of course, you just made it up because you're smart, hmm. and you just made it up. It's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, very cool essay. You know, the the funny thing about this season, as it's as we, you know, the first season, we were talking about, you know, what does it mean to be famous, and we had a. Uh, we had a, a, a topic that was, you know, made sense as to why we were talking about it. And then this season, it's really kind of like, well, we're just taking a word. And it's kind of funny how my essay is, is not exactly the same as yours, but it follows the same type of thing. Like, you know, talking about what's, what's currently going on with the pandemic and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so when I think about your essay, and I, I love the idea of eye contact, because I don't do it very much when I'm playing. Like I'm, I'm afraid to make eye contact with somebody because I feel like at any moment I'm going to fall apart in front of them hmm. because well, my songs are kind of sad. And so I'm kind of like, that's, that's why I don't make a whole lot of eye contact. I'm going to, I'm going to working on it. Cause like someday I'll become evil and be <laughs> trying to make other people cry. Um, <laughs> But I think it's really true about what you're saying about this whole idea of like what you miss the most is eye contact and how, um, you know, being able to look into another human being's eyes is how we know that they're a human being. Uh, something that I taught a lot in my high school classes was was basically when when they were talking, I was like, no, no, you, you make eye contact. Like, you know, this is how I know that you are you and I am me and we can we're humans. Right. And it's going to go down as probably one of the fundamental mistakes of the pandemic was the fact that we were, or a a large portion of our population was told to not make eye contact, to not wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Because if you wear a mask, the only thing you can do is make eye contact. And yeah, that's what I was, I mean, that's what I was thinking about how there was this going to be this beauty in it because I know that there's been at least one New York times article written about it and probably studies written about it, but, the the idea of falling in love with somebody and i'm not talking about necessarily romantic love but affection for and caring for another person is if you stare at them for a few minutes mm-hmm. seconds making eye contact meaningful eye contact that there it fosters a quicker connection yeah um and we communicate so much through that and i i don't recall I feel like we did talk about this during the first season where we talked about um, people making, you know, like recording concerts with their with their cell phones and how it had changed the way that you and I performed. And I, I remember, because it's been a complaint of mine for a while. Sure. Um, pre-pandemic. And so I think that that was just was like, oh, there's a there's an opportunity here that we're going to miss to also just make this like fun at the beginning like make it whimsical and silly and right and make eyes like the most fashionable part of the face for 2020 right 
Okay, Andrew's getting attacked by a cat right now. Yeah. You can't see this listener because you're listening and not viewing. That's right. But his little cat, Moz, is trying to rip his suit apart. Yeah. Um, she's cute like that. Yeah, and sure. Cute. <laughs> I mean, she just really wants affection, but the only way she knows how to get it is to, to attack. <laughs> to be like, give it to me. Right. I'm not going to pet you. Anyway, yeah. um, yes. So that's what the words the audience sparked in me. And I think also you and I had previously talked about what we missed yeah. about the audience or well, the changes in the audience. Well, right how, do, how do you feel about the audience? Like you and I both have, um, and I don't necessarily cover this in, in my essay, but we've, we've both had, um, at going back to the idea of like, why aren't you famous? Is that we've always had a struggle with an audience. And, and I don't mean that in any way who's listening right now who might be in our audience people who show up at our shows and, and buy our records and, and, and like us. We love you so much and thank you for the support all of these long years. Yes. And and because you know what I'm going to say next is that we also struggle to gain a wider audience. Right. And to retain an audience. And so how do you feel about that audience? Because you do the every Wednesday, your your videos, and they're really good. Thanks. I'm not just saying that because you're my podcast you know, co-host across the table from me, but they are, I mean, uh, uh, Maz, you are not a part of this podcast. Stop being so attention needy. Okay. So I'm going to describe the scene. There is a year and a half old cat who is literally hanging on a boom mic stand and jiggling the whole table. She weighs maybe 11 pounds soaking wet. Not even that. Not even 11. 8 pounds soaking wet. And she's just disrupting this whole venture because she's just like... I imagine that if she were speaking right now, she'd be like, it's all about me, 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 meow. (laughs) Ma, stop. Don't do that. She's going to go after you. We're trying to focus. Everyone at home is not getting... Hopefully they're getting as much a laugh out of this as we are. Okay. All right. Down you go. Yeah, I'm going to put her somewhere safe. Okay. So just entertain the listeners while I do this conversation. Okay, well, here, I'll, I'll, we need a word from our sponsor. Right. Oh, no, I forgot to think of a sponsor. Um, am I really supposed to be entertaining everybody? No. Let's, let's just edit this part out. Okay, she's been put elsewhere. I'll let her up in a little bit. All right, here we oh go. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, so the, the question audience. was, how do you feel about the audience? Like, oh yeah, because we were talking about. So I started on April first doing these Wednesday concerts um, at four o'clock Baltimore Standard Time, and I based it on the concept of some recovery language, which is that you take um, sometimes you take it one moment at a time, sometimes you take it one hour at a time, one day at a time, and I thought I'll take it one song at a time. Um, and just play one song and then have half an hour to talk and play the song twice, um, discuss the song. Um, because I'm running all of the tech myself, I don't get to field comments. And so it doesn't actually feel like a live performance for me. And the reason why I wrote the essay that I did is that I feel like I'm back in a, like, I wouldn't say hellscape, (laughs) I wouldn't go so like far as to like a hexscape. A, hex, a hexscape. It's like a pergascape, pergatiscape. Um, Limboscape. That it reminds me so much of the way the powerlessness that I felt in those shows when I I didn't yet realize I had the um, 
authority to say this is my performance everyone needs to put their cell phone away right and even though the situation is completely different i'm choosing to perform in front of my cell phone so that i can connect with people who are also isolated like i am or who who are choosing to isolate in quarantine and stay home as much as possible to save themselves and neighbors from deadly horrible death right right um there's an incredible irony in that you know please guys put away your cell phones to i know you're watching me on your cell phone yeah like that trust me that that wasn't like a a consideration because i waited i mean people in maryland friends in maryland jumped online like the first week of march because we were all about to completely lose all of our income and not just for like the summer or till now but those we'll talk about that in the future i'm sure but that small venues the places that would host and present people like you and me are going to be um, hard-pressed to come back in the new year and in the years to come. So it is a strange irony to have complained about that and to now be very grateful that the technology exists, but also just feel, I feel strange about it. I, um, I go through a mental process of kind of like psyching myself up before I start. Right. And then I usually feel pretty good right afterwards. Although um, it's when I go back and watch them, I also realize like, I think I told you this months ago that I watched the first couple and realized why they felt so impersonal to me. And it was because I wasn't looking into the cell phone camera. I was Mm -hmm. like not making eye contact with anybody. And then when I altered that, it felt weird and I practiced, but I also started performing more for myself right um and the the wednesdays when i actually remember that i'm going to be the audience member myself right right i are the the ones i actually like a lot Hmm. that's cool yeah let's listen to your essay my essay okay yeah here we go presenting andrew grimm's amazing episode two season four why aren't you famous essay Equation for Friction, Audiences and Artists. Friction force equals coefficient of friction times normal force. Honestly, I've never thought about friction other than Sir Mix-a-Lot's line from Baby's Got Back. I'm long and strong and down to get the friction on. Shakespeare couldn't have said it better. And without too much of a stretch, Sir Mix-a-Lot's hilarious body proclamation has a wider application. Friction is an essential indicator of existence. Friction tells us that we're not alone, that there is something to push off of, something that offers a resistance that, at its worst, stops us, and at its best, pushes us to rise. Sure, the equation for friction is necessary for sending a rocket into space or calibrating the braking system for a tractor-trailer, but for the first time in my life, I understand how mathematics can be applied beyond a physics experiment. How friction is dependent on the balance between the coefficient of friction, the body offering resistance, and the normal force, the force surfaces exert to prevent bodies from passing through each other. As a singer-songwriter, I'm living this equation physically, emotionally, and existentially. For the past year, Performing artists have been living in a depressed limbo with a frictionless existence because it is now clear that audiences provide the necessary resistance that helps drive creativity and performance. On March 12th, 
when it became apparent that the COVID-19 outbreak was clearly building up to a pandemic and America was going on an indefinite lockdown. Businesses shut down, schools went virtual, and musicians lost big. Venues closed, audiences recoiled in the horror of nowhere to go, and artists turned to Facebook Live. We were so young then. Hoping that this lockdown would be cleared up in a couple of weeks, maybe a month. This would be an aberration, a momentary gap until we recover and head back to normal. We all know how that turned out. Eight months later, some people are playing limited capacity shows and drive-in theaters, if you're famous. But the majority of independent artists are still sitting at home, performing to a small box, watching an image of themselves mirror their movements, and all the while trying not to pay attention to the little number in the top left corner of the screen fluctuating. 12, 28, 15, 5, 2, 8... I'm no different. When all of my shows, gigs, and tours were canceled, I immediately turned to the internet and played a few streaming sets that were well-received and helped financially. But over time, something happened. Within a month or two, fewer people were watching, sharing, and conversely, fewer artists were streaming. Surely enough, there was a fatigue setting in with the audience and artists. Both sides would say, it's just not the same. And it isn't. For me, I started focusing on making a couple of records. Making a record for me is an isolated process where the audience really is me and the people I'm playing with. Later, I'll share those records and people will buy them and listen to them by themselves, I guess. And that's the nature of recorded music. But one of the reasons I make records is to then go out and play those songs for other people to reinterpret the material in a live setting, to apply the normal force of those songs to the coefficient of friction that is the audience. Combining those two surfaces produces an effect, a friction that stops us or a friction that lifts us. It's the formula that drives creativity, improvisation, and spiritual relief. Three essential elements of the human condition, proof of life, a symbiotic existence between audience and artist. But in this ongoing time of isolation, artists are without that audience to push against. The online performance model is a series of diminishing returns. If an independent artist wants to be further depressed, they should look at their live stream analytics on Facebook. 1,248 views in three hours? I'm killing it. Not quite. Facebook breaks down the actual and average length of time people view for the stream. 5 seconds, 12 seconds, 5 people may have watched the entire video. They should swap the term views for scrolls because that's what the audience is doing. And I can't blame them. That's the point. They are equally going through this horror show. And watching someone alone in their kitchen emoting to a small box is not the same as being in a deliberate space at a deliberate time for a deliberate purpose. As someone who loves going to shows as much as playing them, I understand. Online streaming has brought the importance of the audience to my immediate attention. The friction we need to feel alive requires that an audience meet directly with the normal force of the artist. Or as Sir Mix-a-Lot offered in his song, we have to be down to get the friction on. If 
physics and math. I know. Who would have thought? I like the drum beat at the end a lot, too. Oh, cool. It's an Apple loop. Nice. Yeah. I've been experimenting with some of those. All right, cool. Lots to unpack in your essay. Is there? I think so. I thought it spoke for itself. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I took a few notes because I did not want to speak extemporaneously. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, some kombucha's coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, God. <laughs> How ungentlemanly of me to burp into the microphone. It's a bummer. Oh, we'll get to that, yeah. folks. <laughs> let's let's save that for the end. After okay. we discuss your essay, we'll talk about sure. my new song, my new hit song, which is only two seconds long. It's a bummer. <laughs> Although I don't think that's the melody. It's close. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you said that the when we're using a streaming service like Facebook Live, that you're watching the number counter of audience viewers uh-huh. in the upper left corner. And um, I think that's why I specifically don't use the front-facing camera on mm. Facebook because I don't want to think about the fact that right. there might be only zero people. <laughs> and I'm reading a great book right now about um, the scientist who goes to educate um, or to collaborate on education with Tibetan monks called Humble Before the Void. Oh, yes. And that's... I am... Humble before the void, but I don't know if I need to be humble before the actual... The actual void. Null. Yeah. Zero number. Um, you said it's just not the same and that you're understanding that in a, you know, in a renewed way. Um, I loved when you said the friction that stops and lifts us and the idea that the resistance of the audience is the test of any live performer. Because yeah. think of how any person clown puppeteer comedian <laughs> i like how you let off with clown especially clowns <laughs> especially clowns i mean Special i'm talking clowns. like serious clowns i'm not talking about like the clowns of people's nightmares but people who actually went to clown school and who understand and right. understand the performing art of clowning of course yes i know a lot of clowns yeah those clowns like actual clowns right and most of them work in hospitals with sick people <laughs> most of, yeah most of them are doctors that's right no most of them are like aiding in the process of having to survive the bleak medical like experience. Oh, yes, so, of course. A bleak medical, possibly. Anyway, clowns. Clowns. Comedians. Acrobats. <laughs> comedians. The whole circus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, short clowns, tall clowns. Right. Anyway, performing artists, the idea of. Um, Resistance. I, I love the the idea of thinking about that because you you kept using the word friction, but when you actually brought up resistance, I thought, you know, that's definitely like a, and I believe it's an auditory term too. That when you have cables, there's an electronic resistance or something mm-hmm. that breaks down the signal, and so if like you can lower the resistance, the signal passes more right. cleanly. I may be um, misspeaking on that. But that's my understanding of some of that. And that the the concept of the audience is like, is your testing ground for your emotions. You're pushing the limits of yourself. Frequently, many of us are who entered this from a, a very pure state, which was that, you know, you majored in English, I majored in history. We loved stories and storytelling, and then we right. became storytellers that like, you what greater thrill is there than having live feedback to the thing that you just feel was like either complete desperation or joy that you or both that you 
poured out onto a page and then turned into melody and then figured out accompaniment for it and then convinced other people to like contribute to the sound <laughs> right. as well. It's like this amazing thing. And then the other, like you are pushing all of that with great effort in one direction. And then the audience is like the resistance part of it. Yeah. And there's comfort in that because think of how comforting it is to be able to press on the brakes when you're going down a hill in a car or right. on your bicycle. The That resistance is important. It yeah. does stop. It does slow. Um, and it, you know, your, I think your essay speaks to something that I wasn't necessarily thinking about too much, but it sparked in me just thinking about that live feedback of performing for an audience is not present in the same way on a streaming service. It can't be, especially for mm. either one of us. We don't have a team of technicians who are shouting, you know, comments or questions to us from an audience member right. and making it seem like a more live experience. Which is also, I'm going to stop you for just for a second because that's a double irony based on your, because um, I didn't mention comments necessarily on mine, but but you were kind of talking about that in, in your essay or in our conversation about it. And... <laughs> She put down the water bottle of truth. Do you hear that? Maz really wants to get out of the basement. So like impending doom? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's just it's just peeking out the the meters. Peter Peek. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, but the. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, my, I just derailed you. Okay. In my essay, I was talking about. Uh, if it was important, it'll come back to me. Oh no! Oh, it was the comment section. Yeah, comments. And what's really funny about like online is that we're so desperate for some sort of interaction that we're trying to look at comments while playing or in between songs and trying to interact with people. When and when we play live, it's almost never like. I mean, I don't mind. Like, I mean, I talk a lot of shit in my. You know, I, I I babble a lot or whatever, I'm, I make jokes, but the last thing I want to do is have a conversation with somebody in the audience. Yeah, that's about, not the forum to about do it. What, yeah, yeah, but but online, the, the music is the conversation. Right, but online when we're doing these little stupid streaming concerts, we almost feel obligated to like we want to respond to people because like oh don't go. Right. <laughs> this is me tapping. It's not the rain zone in Africa. Right. No, it's not. I, I bless them though. <laughs> Um, but it's like, you know, it's, it's just one of those funny inverses of the situation. So continue. You, right. You're making a point about my uh, unremittingly brilliant essay. Oh, yeah. No, I'm done. Oh, okay. It was great. <laughs> Thanks. Super, super job. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad we're getting back into this process. Yeah. Well, the, the, and the thing about writing the essay and thinking about the essay, like it, it, I wrote it this morning. Um. I got up early and was like, okay, I got to write this. Cause I, I knew what I wanted to write about, but I hadn't like formulated it yet. So I kind of created an outline and, and, and was kind of following it. And of course I had to look up some stuff about the equation for friction and understand like what that concept was because I'm not a math guy. Um, when you went to songwriter school, they didn't talk about coefficients of friction. They, they did not. Huh. I, I'm interesting. I was sick that day. Of course. Um, but it's one of those f moments where, you know, at, at, at the age of 48, I'm starting to now like think like, well, I guess I could apply that equation to life mm. and not really thinking about it. Cause I, I, it's not that I dismissed math. I just figured that was for somebody smarter than me in that capacity. So I just let them do it. 
but as I started thinking about the the friction thing, um, it's kind of like, you know, I was think, I was really nerding out about the coefficient and the uh, the uh, normal force idea of like, well, why, you know, the only band, I think, in the history of rock and roll, who it does have have completely ignored the coefficient of um, oh, Andrew's friction. about to throw some shade. Andrew's about to no, throw no, some I don't. Shade. I don't. This is a shade. I think it's, I, I'm going to say it, and you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, you're right." Okay. ACDC. <laughs> they were just on NPR. They're like, just like we. We are going to experience no resistance. It, Even it, if resistance exists, we are going to lay. Like... Well, but but if co- the coefficient of friction is the audience, mm-hmm. and if you're putting your normal force to that you you're gonna have to change it somehow mm-hmm. to your, your normal force is gonna have to shift in some way because if you, or your audience is gonna change a little bit or whatever you know and and they've they've just been applying the same damn force over and over again to the same audience and it's still like yeah man acdc rocks it's the same album every single time they were just on NPR. Like I think Dave David Green interviewed them. Interesting. And it was and was, and they're playing clips of their songs. It's like, yeah, that sounds like Back in Black. It sounds sounds like for those about the rock. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that my knowledge of ACDC music is is very limited. Well, that's a very privileged statement to make. I know there's something about because um, you and I both got them, so we can talk about them. American thighs. Oh, uh, yeah. She was knocking me out with his American thighs. So everyone listening, you can think about Andrew's American thighs because his thighs are American, too. The, and they are amazingly American, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, On that note. But no, no, I'm not, I'm not done with my, my coefficient oh, of friction. Oh, sorry. I'm still nerding out about math. And ACDC. Oh, uh, oh, oh, we talked about electricity earlier. That's right. High voltage. <laughs> They're, they're, the, they're the band that, that, that boldly states what what they are and then, again, what they are. I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. <laughs> you know. In case you missed it In case you, one second right. ago. And, and dirty, dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. I thought it was Dirty, dirty Jeans Dungarees. <laughs> well, you've gone off on a tangent. All right. But the, um, <laughs> but the thing I was thinking about with like the, the coefficient uh, being the audience... And then, like, you know, if you you think about who your audience is, you think about who you're writing for. And I always, I first write for myself because I'm trying to figure something out. And then, you know, you want to bring it to an audience of some sort. And it's like, well, you know, is this an audience that's going to be receptive to this? Or like, you know, there, there's always like that, that gamble that they're not going to get it. Not that they're not going to get it, but they, they might not like it or it might mm-hmm. not resonate with them the same way that it does with me. And that's always kind of the like on the precarious like precipice of, you know, purgatory, if I can get another P word in there. Um, and then it's like, that's what the live performance is all about, to, to bounce it off of that. that that's, yeah, that's it's that the resistance. testing ground. Yeah. Interesting that you write for yourself, because I like to say that I write for myself, but I think a lot of songs in my catalog have been written as direct communication with another person Mm -hmm. in the hopes that they would hear it and understand my feeling. And then it became, you know, universalized. Mm. So, you know, 
that is also a weird thing to have like created something for someone. How's that working for you? Uh, it's a terrible way to communicate. <laughs> it's terrible. Right. It's not work. Yeah. I mean, how well did it work when um, what's his nuts did um, <laughs> open arms? Oh, Creed. Oh God. No. Oh, that's arms Lying. wide open. Sorry. Sighing beside me, da 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 dark. What band is that? I can't think of it. Right you, wow, I really don't know. Is it is it a musical? I think it's Journey. Oh well, there's a reason why I don't know. <laughs> right. Oh, here I am with open arms and blah 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 and blah blah blah. Right. <laughs> right. Don't stop believing. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> Just made it sound like a lounge act. <laughs> well, they are. I said it. Anyway. My point is that, no, it, it's not an effective way for me to have communicated in relationships. But I'm learning new tools as I age. <laughs> I'm learning to be a more direct communicator and not try to be like, hey, maybe you'll listen to this record. <laughs> and and it's even less likely that people that I was trying to communicate would hear it, it because I don't push anything to radio. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they could be like tooling around in their car and be like, oh, hey, this song sounds like it's for me. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. Anyway, um, how long have we been jabbering for uh, now? Jibber jabbering. Uh, 37 minutes. Scan time. We're trying to keep these to 45 again, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's briefly talk about It's a Bummer. The bummer. Is that the melody? It's a Bummer. <laughs> So how did I come up with that? I had gone to Texas. Uh huh. I my parents my my family of origin lives in Texas, and I was very concerned about what was going to be happening with the American election, and I wanted to to get from a place that has a lot of guns, which is Texas, to a place that also has a lot of guns, but not as many people just walking around with them. Right. In Maryland, because it you know it's not logical. I just feel safer as a citizen in Maryland in terms of weaponry and who or how many people are armed. There right. are a lot of people in Texas who are just regularly armed. Right. And it may be true in Maryland too. I just don't see it. And I, and I have lived here for 20 years and, and don't feel it. So it's a little bit of like prejudice against like, you know, what's going on. Anyway, I wanted to go there cause I was concerned about the way that some people might have, reacted after the election and so i wanted to see my parents and haven't been able to see them um since the beginning of the pandemic almost a year and i remember like talking to you and something big had happened something that was sad but it was also just like in terms of like all the strife centered around social yeah. and racial and economic justice in the world and specifically in our country, the trying to tear down patriarchy and white supremacy, addressing global climate change, catastrophic climate issues and challenges in you, addition you, to the pandemic. You know, any Wednesday. Yeah. And I was just like, this thing was happening to me and I was sad about it, but I was also trying to put it in context. And so I just sang a song. I was like, you know, it's a bummer. And so I thought like that would be a perfect way to help me have perspective about my little, you know, hopefully a century worth of time on this planet hmm. that there's going to be sometimes I'm going to be like, hmm, 
Going for a century, are you? It's a bummer. I'm aiming for that. All right, on. I'd like another 50 years. That's cool. Yeah, good luck. 55 years would be incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking out around my mid-70s, I think. Oh, cool. Jeez. Okay, <laughs> well... This is where I'm going. That's where that, I'm headed. That means that we've got like 30 more years of this podcast, right. and then I'm going to have to find a new podcast partner. Wow, 30, uh, 30 years of, of Why Aren't You Famous? Season 30. Boy, season 30. Well, if it isn't obvious now. This is Andrew's death year. <laughs> but Ellen Cherry's got another 20. Woo, woo. Because <laughs> it's my podcast now. It's a bummer. <laughs> That's exactly it. Anyway, on that note, where can we find information about you, Mr. Andrew? <laughs> <Woo, woo, woo. laughs> yeah, that'll be your new theme. Um, you can find information on my stuff. Um, well, actually, let me tell you, I I just re- on October 30th, I released a solo record called A Little Heat. It's very good. It's out on, thank you. It's out on Whistlepig Records. And, it's on um, all the platforms that you can listen to it. It's true. You don't have to. You don't have to hear me do it live. You can hear me do it virtually or whatever. Right. Um, and then uh, June Star's got another record had, coming out. In you had 2021. some pretty cool collaborators on that. How did that record get produced? It's kind of a cool story. Well, you know, um, it being you know, once again the duly designated white male uh, in the room, I contacted another white male. <laughs> another white male. <laughs> you were like hey let's get together and do something let's be white <laughs> oh, um, God. no no of course not um no uh it was at the beginning of the pandemic i wrote and recorded everything within uh the first month and a half of the pandemic and yeah I, you were on fire i had some really good collaborators uh eric amble uh roscoe amble who's up in new york city producer for the bottle rockets played in steve Rolls band for a while and joan jett and the black hearts he's a really good guy um also a cat owner. And a cat owner. He's got Evie, who's a sweet little black kitty cat, that a rescue cat that he got. And uh, so it played, uh, you know, we recorded songs remotely. Uh, I would write a song a day or sometimes two songs a day or whatever. And, and, and we would just kind of layer stuff on there. And then we started expanding the sound a little bit. And uh, we got uh, Dave Hadley on there uh, playing pedal steel. Brian Sims was playing accordion. Uh, Eric's wife, Mary Lee Cortez, uh, sang uh, harmonies on there. We had a, uh, a drummer, Kenny Soul from New York. He played on there as well. Uh, and then uh, I played a lot of the other instruments, the bass and, and a lot of guitars and stuff. And Eric played guitars and sang harmonies. And and then kind of like a, a clutch, invaluable member of the team was uh, a little somebody we know as Helen Sherry. Got on there and uh, no, it was Ellen Sherry. I know you're like, who's this Helen Sherry person? Well, you should check her out. Uh, it's all She's my slutty sister. <laughs> it's, it's all uppercase. <laughs> Helen Sherry. Her name is like yelling. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, but Ellen Sherry sang uh, sang some some beautiful harmonies on the record for for me, and uh, it was super fun. It got me um, to realize how badly I needed to update all of my computer and software. <laughs> So it forced me to Which, do that. And then right after that, you had that other project with, um, what's his name? Kurt Diemer. Kurt Diemer and the other guy, Jay Schwartz or Jay? Jay Schluter. Schluter? Yeah. Is that his name? Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know him, so. Yeah. So I did do a, I? Co- um, maybe. He's a super cool dude. He has a lot, his um, music is very philosophical. Oh, cool. And I don't know when that record's coming out, but Kurt's record is coming out pretty soon, actually. I think this month. Yeah. He put a single out. I think he's got something else coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really like helpful to me because I was like, I was like the Leonardo DiCaprio character at the end of Titanic. I was just like, I'll just be in the water. You float away. I'm just going to sink to the bottom. And then people were like, no, sing on this. And I was like, okay, I won't sink yet. 
<laughs> Helped me a lot. Well, well, and I'm glad. Yay. Um, so you can find, long story short, you can find all that stuff on junestar.com and also on my subscription, junestar.bandcamp.com forward slash subscribe, where for $5 a month you can get everything that I've done. Uh, plus lots of lots of lots of lots of bonus stuff this year I'm writing as many songs as I can and uh, so there's lots of exclusive content on there and uh, that's where you can find my stuff Ellen Cherry I do believe you are maintaining a website still yes lo these many decades yes it's your if you type into your internet browser the url http colon forward slash forward slash www dot E-L-L-E-N-C-H-E-R-R-Y.com, EllenCherry.com. You'll find me. Um, currently, there's no tour dates on the tour page because I'm not <laughs> touring because there's a deadly pandemic. Um, I also have a, a Bandcamp page. Um, is it Bandcamp first? No, EllenCherry.Bandcamp.com. I'm so bad at this. So out of practice. You have a subscription, it's too. It's a bummer. That sounds so strange. I haven't converted it yet to 96, so. <laughs> it sounds so, like, Irish. You should play it like this. <laughs> and then slow it down. We're yeah. listening to the outro music, and it sounds... It, it, it won't sound like this to you, dear listeners, but uh, it already faded out. <laughs> That's crazy. It alarmed me. So, oh, you should have heard yourself at that speed on your essay. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, what was the question? <laughs> Uh, the question was, uh, well, you already answered it. Where do we find your stuff? Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. Um, yes, I do have a subscription service that is full of essays and videos and animations and random songs. And I continuously rededicate myself to it every two months. Right. <laughs> Thank you, subscribers. I love you. Although they every, are, every month is a cliff, cliffhanger. <laughs> they, My subscribers are very special because they support also the Wednesday shows and a bunch of other video and yeah stuff that i do so cool yeah um this is super fun let's do it again next week all right next week it is um everybody out there we love you yes. i i don't want to speak for you yeah you can it's fine can you put a little oh i have a recommendation i know that we're supposed to be done we're like way uh -huh. over time here <laughs> on the way out here i drove out to westminster to record this podcast old school like we did first season and um i was listening to my most relaxing tunes on the highway, which is usually a lot of like Richard Marx and Peter Cetera. <laughs> I'm mm. not ashamed. And a song came up that just made like instantly made me think of everyone working in hospitals. And I dare anyone listening to put on wind beneath my wings and just imagine a person in scrubs attending to a patient. You are going to, I listened to it like four times and I was like tears on the side of my face coming down and crying because it's like it's a bummer <laughs> but in a beautiful emotional way because i was just like it's must, a beautiful no, bummer no. must have been cold there in my shadow huh. never have sunlight on your face oh geez such a good song and if you picture somebody an essential worker you are going to feel your heart swell with gratefulness and, and, as, and you don't have to go to a hospital. No, because I'm just saying it made me think about how amazing 
the people that are doing this frontline work are, and it's nice to have an opportunity to say thank you. If anyone is in that work or knows anyone, we appreciate it. And we thank you for keeping our stupid asses alive. We love you. Put your mask on. (laughs) Not you essential workers. You guys already have like three masks, but anyone who's not wearing a mask, now's the time. It's okay. If you change your mind and you want to do it now, just do it. Wear your mask anytime you're outside of your house. And, um, be well be safe okay goodbye all right bye bye (laughs) yay we did it all right you can cut off the end if you want okay i will